0: Ageism is incorrect.
1: I checked my wedding certificate and there was no expiry date on mine, so that's why I felt quite confident.
2: Humor can build bridges and it can also destroy bridges. So we've got to be careful that we're lifting people up with the
3: humor and not putting them down. Mm.
2: Welcome to Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. I'm Erin Davis, and along with my co-host, Lloyd Hetherington, it's a real pleasure to share with you our conversations with some fascinating people. The actual Green Bench began at Schlegel Village's Retirement and Long-Term Care Residences as a place to have conversations, to listen and be heard, and we've turned the real bench into these podcasts where you meet residents, some of the Schlegel family, and their extended family of care workers, and so many more wonderful guests. By now, you know my co-host Lloyd, who's 86 and is a resident as well as a retired educator and missionary, a dad, grandfather, and widower, and he and I are tickled to treat you to just about the most entertaining couple we've met so far in these 18 podcast episodes. Patricia and Dennis Bailey live, oh, and laugh in the village of Taunton Mills. Lloyd, I love that we're talking about the pursuit of passions and or hobbies. What's your hobby and what is your passion? Let's start with your hobby.
1: My hobby is words. I enjoy working with words. Give me a good pun any day and I would love it. Give me a game of Scrabble and I enjoy it immensely. Turn me loose on my computer and I'll dash off a paragraph here and there and I just delight in words, words, and more words. My passion, on the other hand, is people. Mm. I've worked with people all my life. I've worked with them in the down and out situations where they've literally been in the most desperate of straits. And I've worked with people when they've had their moments of celebration and joy. And I find that during this uh, time of the pandemic, this is one of the biggest challenges I face being cut off from some of the people that I love and enjoy being with and working with.
2: Well, isn't it wonderful that we get a chance to do this and to meet people like Patricia and Dennis at the village of Taunton Mills?
1: Indeed it is.
2: And if you like a pun, well, let me just tell you that Dennis, of course, is a scientist who won awards for his work with polymers. So you know that he and Patricia, after 60 plus years of marriage, definitely have chemistry. (laughs) Don't give me a mercy laugh. That's okay. I can take it. Welcome to elder wisdom to both of you and what we love about you is your passion and your art in poetry Patricia and Dennis the way that you've made a difference to the world you are contributing through your talents and passion and so let's start with Patricia and your poetry when did you begin
3: writing? As long as I could print I think I've, I've written something usually in a journal but as I grew older and uh, got over the fact that my school report said weak in English, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote more, uh, mainly prose at first, uh, short stories and uh, uh, small items. And then I, I started working in poetry. I found it was uh, good for my brain, really, to stretch it a bit. And I've continued writing ever since.
2: And we're going to hear, hopefully, some of your work a little bit later on. But Lloyd, too, has expanded on his talent in writing. And I don't know if you know this, Patricia and Dennis, but our Lloyd is a published author in one of the Reader's Digests this year, aren't you, Lloyd?
1: That's right. Uh, During the time of pandemic, I had lots and lots of time to think and to write. And so I looked at the publication, Our Canada put up a Reader's Digest, I thought, I could write an article like that, so I dashed off one, sent it off to the Reader's Digest, and much to my surprise, they accepted the article, published it in the January issue of Our Canada, and so I can say I am published in a national publication. But I've done other writing as well. During the pandemic, I'd write articles for my grandchildren and my children. And for my 86th birthday, they compiled them into a book. And so I have a book published now as well. (laughs) Mind you, I was surprised. Uh, When I was writing those articles, my audience was very limited. But they thought they were worthy of circulating. And so there it is. Not the most scholarly piece of work, but it's out there in circulation anyway.
2: It's all about connection, especially now, more than ever. Dennis, tell us how you stay connected through your work, through your passions, through your hobbies. What do you like to do?
0: Well, first of all, I'd like to comment. Patricia said she was not very good at English at school and I was absolutely hopeless at chemistry at school.
2: Ah! And
0: and so those became our careers. (laughs) Uh, I was absolutely terrible at chemistry because the way it's taught is that uh, we learn... Everything about what has already been done in chemistry, but not what is required to be done. And it was only when I got into research laboratories and was able to research new ventures that I was able to take an interest in it and really like it.
2: So your message then from you and Patricia is don't listen to the critics, whether they are people marking your papers or, you know, anyone who has anything to say that you can't do something.
0: Well, I think that is it. Uh, You know, if someone says we can't do something, then that's when we start doing it. And uh, as far as my hobbies are concerned, uh, they're they're mainly on the creative side in that uh, I, uh, for a long time, have been doing soapstone carving, and I ended up teaching soapstone carving after I retired. Wow. And uh, we both are uh, really enjoying painting and the programmes we have at the village of Taunton Mills help in that direction. And during the pandemic, I I had a little challenge because I decided to see if I could paint or draw left-handed because uh, when I went to school, I was corrected. I used to use my left hand, but every time I used it at school, someone would hit me on the hand with a ruler. And so I became right-handed, and for well over 80 years, uh, I've been right-handed. And I decided to see if I could draw left-handed. And uh, after 14 attempts at left-handed drawing, I can now draw left-handed better than I can draw right-handed.
2: And intriguingly, when you were conducting this own experiment on yourself... You got in touch with a leading university expert. Tell us about that, Dennis.
0: (laughs) Well, I got in touch with the Penn State expert, uh, Dr. Porak, who is a world authority on left-handedness and right-handedness. And she was very interested in the rapidity in which I've been able to convert back to left-handedness. And so the Penn State University issued a blog uh, outlining what I had done. And that was circulated worldwide.
2: I I remember letters from my grandmother, and as she aged, her penmanship sort of declined into an almost spidery sort of a, a writing. Has yours actually improved, or what's going oh, on there?
0: Patricia can't even read my writing. I, I think I would have been a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps oh. when I've had a bit of practice writing left-handed, She'll be able to read what on earth I'm jotting down on bits of paper. Um,
2: <laughs> well, as uh, long as we can read and understand what Patricia has been writing, because uh, I'd like to turn uh, it over to Lloyd to usher us into the poet's corner for now.
1: I envy anyone with poetic skills. I've tried writing a bit of doggerel once in a while, but my I- iambic pentameter just doesn't seem to work the way it should. So. <laughs> I have a dream that someday I'll put some words on paper that will rhyme and literally sing from the heart. But P- Patricia, you've just discovered a skill that resonates with you. And I'd like you to tell us a bit about your writing.
3: Well, I, it's, uh, as someone very wise once said, it's mainly uh, begins with inspiration and ends with perspiration. I enjoy it, though. I, I find... Uh, uh, using words that uh, really most of them are, I find in my poetry are about the grade 3-4 level. <laughs> but um, I do enjoy putting words together and I like the old system of writing poetry that has some rhyming. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a discipline. Uh, some of the modern poems I find seem to go off at a tangent and never come back to the point. And I, I, I do enjoy... Uh, composing something that goes from beginning to end with some sort of a theme that you can relate to, Um. especially during these times when we're all feeling somewhat fearful and isolated. So um, if you like, I'll read you a couple of them. We would love that. I
1: love that, yeah.
3: Yeah, go for it. Well, this one is called Life Cycle. I didn't intend to do it. I almost got washed out with the tide, the day I fell into the washer and really thought that I'd died. I didn't hear anyone singing, at least no one's voice that I knew. It was ever so speedy and swooshy as if I'd got cold or the flu. I spun with the nighty and jammers, the towels all yellow and blue. To keep up my spirits I whistled a gurgly ditty or two. It came to an end after spinning, and I got all dried up, oh, but then, The rinse cycle started up screaming and spinning all over again. Quite dazzled and put out with the action, I started to feel really stressed, especially because I was wearing by now two shirts, fancy pants and a vest. It's nothing to laugh at, I tell you. No holiday choice for a girl. By the time I came out, I was white as a sheet and looked like a wrinkly old pearl.
2: That
1: is wonderful. What a delight.
2: Congratulations. That's the first time I've ever heard gurgly ditty in a poem or anywhere else. So take that. That's wonderful, Patricia. (laughs) Thank you very much. Would you like
3: to hear another one on a more serious note?
2: Oh, yes, yes, definitely. And while we cleanse our palates from the the laughter of your trip into the washing machine, I must ask you, I hope that's not based on a true story. Uh,
3: no not hardly
2: <laughs> well you certainly are bubbly enough let us oh. say that oh, and uh, I, I like to picture perhaps Lloyd and you do too that, that Dennis is sitting there quietly carving his soapstone and Patricia has her her steno pad in hand and a pen and she's looking out the window and trying to come up with just the right words to rhyme stressed <laughs> with vest and it's just oh it's just marvelous <laughs> thank you for that all oh. right do go on
3: well, um I have one here called Hope, uh, which might be applicable at this time for some people. Yes, please. Hope, a beacon in the dark, a wisp of breath, a longing dream, a cry for help, courageous plea, the unknown begged. Look speedily and see up close all that we need. The world is wounded stop the bleed we look undaunted to the light maintain our vision do what's right gently steadfastly hold its rays unfalteringly, calmly mend our ways keep the light our guide and stay to lift our spirits every day hope floats in air to slowly rise anticipation of surprise change will come to bless our eyes that is beautiful mm. that just is
1: precious
2: it is
1: we need hope in this day and age we so desperately need it with all of the gloom and all of the negative reports we've got to hope for a better tomorrow yes so, indeed
2: How did your poem about COVID and frontline workers and holding on come to be the final story in CTV News' Lisa Laflamme's national newscast?
3: Well, uh, I wrote it, and uh, I always submit them to the recreation team here to see if they like them. If they do, and they usually seem to, thank heaven, uh, they go into the Chronicle, which is circulated once a month here, And uh, I believe it was sent through to the office and the general manager I believe has a contact through her husband with the TV station and uh, I believe it was submitted to Lisa Laflamme and uh, it seemed to fit the bill so to my amazement uh, someone called and said it's going to be on at 10 o'clock on the news and uh, then it was going to be on at another time in the end dennis and i gave up and went to bed uh, (laughs) (laughs) we did and then we were i think we were sleeping and then the phone rang and woke us up and our neighbor upstairs said uh, you're on television (laughs) guess what so it was rather a nice experience i must say
2: Isn't she sweet? Can you believe it? Well, don't you snooze and lose. Be sure and go to elderwisdom.ca and the Wisdom Bank page, and you'll see that beautiful piece of Patricia's poem on CTV News that was produced at Schlegel Villages. That's elderwisdom.ca. Now back to our chat. Uh, Dennis, we know that you kind of get the first pass on her work. Is, is that true? Like before it goes into the publication? Uh, tell us about that.
0: She gives me a copy of her poem and it probably runs to about 27 pages. <laughs> 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 not, not exactly. No. She, <laughs> she She lets me read the first draft and I read it and I say, what a wonderful start. It's absolutely great. But lines 7 to 13 are absolute garbage. They've got nothing to do. Throw them out. Put those into another poem. They're all right, but they've got nothing to do. So they, and then I'd say, but I like the ending. And I I like the title. It all looks good except that middle chunk. So either leave it out or replace it. And so she says, says, no, that's my favourite bit. I usually say, yes, dear. You don't say, yes, dear. (laughs) Yes, it's, okay. Perhaps she says, perhaps she says, yes, dear. But that's my favourite bit. I don't like the beginning. Um, So she retires to the corner to write some more poem. And she comes back and says, I've got it, I've got it. And it's an absolute different poem. Nothing to do with the first one. So then she said... Nicole needs it on Tuesday for the Chronicle What are we going to do? And so she then goes into a corner And has another go And uh, finally it just emerges It's like an imperfect chrysalis Which comes out to be a wonderful butterfly You see what
3: I said about perspiration It's not Mm -hmm. only the writing of the poem It's it's, It's holding on to your breath while you think Rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb I'll go back and have another bash at it (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, you, you've done a lot of travel in your lives together, and I'd love to talk about that. I I don't think that Dennis would have made the diplomatic corps. But... <laughs> oh, I would.
0: I certainly would. Oh, yes. That, 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 that is my forte. Mm-hmm, um.
2: Definitely. So why don't you just pull out your passports, folks, and take us on a little trip through some of your travels?
0: Well, the first time we went abroad was on a... a trip to Italy and it was a very very inexpensive trip and it was the first time we'd been abroad we hadn't been we were wartime babies and we got married and we hadn't got much money and then we saved up and went to a a 12-day trip to Italy for for I think it was about 14 pounds or something like this so we got on the boat we went on to caught the the bus on the other side of the channel And we went into Holland for the night and we crossed Holland off the list after about seven or eight hours and we went the next day to Belgium and then we went to France and then we went to Switzerland. We thought, Uh when when are we going to get to Italy? And then we, we went a little bit into Austria again and then back into Switzerland and then finally we got to Italy and we went all over Italy for this 28 pounds and, and then had to come all the way back which we did all, all on a bus and we we managed that that vacation when we still have got some wonderful memories of that uh-huh. uh, like how strict the courier was so you're cracking her whip and saying you will have five minutes we in Rome and we would scurry off the bus and we'd see what whatever they Parked the bus for us to have a look at, and then we would wait for a very elderly couple. They were probably 40. (laughs) 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 And and, and, then they came staggering down the road at length with beautiful ice creams and we hadn't had a time to buy an ice cream. And they'd come, and they'd get yelled at by the woman, she'd say, "I'm going to leave you next time if you do this." again you etc., etc. Oh. And they did it all the way around the trip, because they'd obviously been on a, on a trip before, and we hadn't. <laughs> and since then we've been all over the place, and um, we actually spent several months working in Thailand, which took place in 1995.
2: And you went to teach chemistry. Patricia ended up teaching there, too. So share your perspective on it. That'd be wonderful.
0: Well, first of all, it it was a KESO project, which is Canadian Executive Services Overseas Volunteer Mm -hmm. Project. And uh, we don't get paid for it. They ship us out with um, airfare and hotel paid for And it started off very interestingly because uh, we didn't know where we were going to stay and we were running out of time. We were about to fly to Thailand in about three days and we still hadn't got a a forwarding address. We didn't know which hotel we were going to stay at. So I phoned the uh, associate consul who was making a lot of arrangements for us uh, in Ontario. And I spoke to their associate consul and he said, I'm sorry you didn't get the detail, but you're going to the Collins house and it's the most wonderful place in Asia. He said, you will love it. He said, it's got the largest dormitory in Asia. He said, and the ladies sleep on one side and the men sleep on the other side of the bedroom. (laughs) He said, and they have a big, big curtain between the two. He said, it's absolutely great. He said, and um, the food isn't so hot though. He said, "You, you have pretty well the same meal every day. And then there was a big pause from me, and I thought, "What on earth are we going to be doing?" And he said, "Of course, I'm joking." He said, Colin's House is um, is the YMCA." So we ended up staying at the YMCA in Bangkok, which turned out to be a teaching hotel for people that were getting their first job. They were coming out of the uh, North Northern Territories. Uh, you know, straight out of the jungle to a job, and um, so the the staff was being uh, trained to go into into careers in the um, hospitality business. So th- that started the trip, and uh, on the first day uh, of my venture there, I ordered breakfast, and I ordered something fairly simple. I ordered uh, a cereal and an orange juice and a cup of coffee and I waited for a considerable time and eventually a big piece of steaming hot fish, spicy fish arrived and various other things that I didn't recognize and I explained that that wasn't my meal so they took it away and they brought some other stuff and then after about four ventures I realized that the waiter didn't understand English and I was ordering my food and he hadn't a clue what I was ordering, although the menu is bilingual. And so. I'll hand over to Patricia because I got uh, the, the news when I got back from my first day that she was teaching the hotel staff English. And so oh. so she had an assignment to teach the waiter and the metronome right off the bat.
3: Once they had heard that I had English qualifications and heard my voice on the phone before we left Canada, uh, they said you will speak english to our managerial staff mondays (laughs) wednesdays and fridays and do a lecture every other friday to somebody else Uh, so (laughs) my immediate reaction was well we'll see about it but uh, i was very aware of my limitations as a as an add-on because i was allowed to go because of the length of time of the uh, project Uh, So I hadn't expected to do anything much except, you know, just rest a bit (laughs) Uh, Which was quite the wrong thing that happened. So I did teach uh, in the afternoons uh, for two weeks the um, restaurant staff So I started in with teaching them. uh, Please show me on the menu, which seemed to go over very well Because a a couple of uh, tourists I heard them (laughs) saying uh, can you show me the way to the Royal Palace? And uh, then we want to go by Tuk Tuk to somewhere else. And they were going on at length. And the answer came back, please show me on the venue. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess one phrase had worked, which was Mm -hmm. quite a good thing, really.
0: (laughs) Yes. And uh, on a similar vein, Patricia was teaching them various English idioms. And I was giving them notes and all sorts of information which they would put in their desk and forget. And they wouldn't even remember they'd had it. And so uh, I suggested she taught them out of sight, out of mind. And she wrote that on the board and I wanted to reinforce that message. They put it away and they forget about it. And she said, can anyone tell me what that means? And the vice president, Prazit, he stood up and he said, yes, I know that. Out of sight, out of mind, means invisible idiot.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that that I was concerned about for a while while we were there uh, was the fact that they called Dennis Uncle and they called me Elephant. Rude! Uh, And uh, I found out later that that's because, at least that was the explanation they gave me afterwards, uh, was because they venerate the Elephant as as an animal who is also a vehicle (laughs) and and considered (laughs) very worthy. (laughs) So with that, I made myself contented.
1: Patricia, what a delight to hear your stories. (laughs) What a difference between that package tour to Rome (laughs) and actually getting into the culture of Thailand. (laughs) <laughs> you re- You really learned what it was all about. you learned to appreciate what they had and appreciate what you have as well that uh may- makes your life so much more interesting.
3: Oh, we had many adventures there,
0: and i can 't resist a punt for Lloyd because <laughs> one of my hobbies is collecting very early British and Canadian postage stamps and studying Canadian postage history. And, right. and uh, I, I'm sure that he's itching to tell me that philately will get me nowhere.
1: Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Step could, that one out.
2: I could see that one coming. I honestly could. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we could talk about your travels for ages and, you know, including Antarctica, South America, Brazil. But back at home, Dennis, you spearheaded an exchange program with First Nation students and, can we talk about that a little bit, the impact that you had on Canadian soil and in the internet as well?
0: Okay, well, there are, there are two aspects of that. One it, which is ongoing at the village of Taunton Mills. But the, the first uh, experience I had with this project was uh, as literacy chair for the uh, District 7070 Rotary Clubs, which 52 Rotary Clubs, and I organized their liter- literacy programs Uh, where where they had got them, and not many clubs were interested in literacy, and even fewer were interested in First Nations projects, and I got involved in two or three which put both together, and the first one was um, an interest from the Durham Regional School Board, who... uh, were interested in twinning with First Nations remote communities and uh, talking with these groups via Skype and learning more about the First Nations culture and history and folklore and uh, and their language as well. And um, these were grade eight kids, grade seven or grade eight in um, in the Durham school system. And we paired them our five schools with five schools in the north. And uh, the first of all, the, there'd been a, a few classes uh, for the Durham School children to learn as much as they could about the First Nations before they uh, had this exchange. And then the people from up north said, "We would like to study the same uh, courses as that they're learning down here, because a lot of our culture disappeared." due to residential schooling and several generations were lost and the the people down here had got books on the subject that they had not got up there and so for the first few weeks the the exchange was with um, just one curriculum and that was the first nations culture and then they started skyping each other and the kids getting to know each other and talking about how they spent their their weekend, where the people up north would say, oh, we had a great time, we've just been snaring rabbits and trapping muskrats. and (laughs) and That was a little bit different to the kids down here who'd gone to the shopping mall and cruised Mm -hmm. around. And so that exchange got some very valuable contacts for me. And now that I'm at the village of Taunton Mills for for two or three years, before I came really, they had a program uh, initiated by Irene uh, Showette, one of our residents, uh, to uh, involve all of the um, seniors here in knitting and doing all sorts to provide uh, warm garments for the First Nations and to have fundraisers to buy backpacks and school supplies and um, hygiene products and package them all off and then Team up with a school in the First Nations communities, in these remote far north communities, and uh, send a package to every kid in the school for of, of, the, of these wonderful goods for um, Christmas.
2: Oh, the power of connection and just mm-hmm. reaching out and you never know who's going to answer a request or a prayer. And, you know, as I've said, we could talk to you forever. But I wanted to ask you as we wrap up, and this is going to be a bit like the newlywed game for people who have been married for over 60 <laughs> years. But, uh. Patricia, you're going to answer this first. I'm giving you an airline ticket anywhere in the world. You are an elder of 40 years old, like the people in Rome on the bus, and you can go anywhere tomorrow. Where are you going? England. Okay. hmm Dennis? You don't have to go with her. It's a, This is a separate game show. Okay.
0: Well, I, I, I'm going to go with her to England to carry the bags.
2: <laughs> and, oh, my goodness.
0: And, uh, and I think if I could go anywhere, I, I, I would like to go back to Italy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well.
0: There's lots that we haven't seen in this world, but there's lots that are worth repeating. Patricia Mm. wants to go to India.
3: But I won't be going because Dennis doesn't eat other than meat and potatoes.
0: I don't Mm. eat vegetables for a start. I don't believe that vegetables should be put on this earth, so I don't eat them. Oh, okay. Hang on,
2: Dennis. How old are you? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just coming up to 86. Oh.
2: Well, you're okay. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. That's and, uh, all I can say. I'm not a dietitian, but it <laughs> seems to
0: work for you. And I've been sending out a little uh, <laughs> cartoon. Well, actually, it's a photograph of a pathetic little child who's just about to burst into tears. And he's got <laughs> his hands in front of him in the in prayer formation there. And he's saying... Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, please don't make Brussels sprouts the cure for COVID. <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> oh my goodness.
3: Oh.
0: Well,
2: just a word of wisdom to you, Dennis, that uh, cocoa is a bean. Therefore, chocolate is salad. It's just it, it all makes sense.
0: Actually, I do make a few exceptions because people tell me that v- vegetables are wonderful. And chocolate is
1: one of my concessions. Uh, I, I'm just supporting Dennis 100%. Chocolate is just a marvelous food, no mercury poison in it, no insecticides or sprays in it. Uh, just none of the problems you hear from the other food groups. Just go for chocolate any time. Uh,
3: My I, favorite is an egg because and, uh, it comes with its own packaging.
0: And uh, some of the <laughs> vegetable grains are worth tackling, especially after they've been distilled. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget
2: your fruit in the wine, right? That's right. Oh, my goodness. I actually think Patricia was talking about real eggs, guys, and not chocolate eggs. I mean, how did she get in the conversation?
3: The way I usually do when Dennis is
2: on a roll. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that egg roll, we shall reluctantly say goodbye to you for now. But, oh, thank you Mm. so, so much for sharing your passion, your spirit, your humor, your wonderful memories. What a treat this has been. Thank you very much. It's very, Aww.
0: very
3: pleasant. Afternoon. So you mean
0: we've been doing it already? I thought <laughs> we were starting now. <laughs> yeah, th- this is just the warm-up. Wait till we get rolling. That's right. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: And thank you, Nicole.
2: Ah, Nicole. And yes, thank you to all of the Schlegel Care team who have made these podcasts possible. It's quite a production behind the scenes, and this one was just the most fun. I told you, didn't I? Join Lloyd Hetherington and me as we sit down next time with Kathy Kleinau. She's working on her second book of interviews with her fellow residents at one of the Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care residences, She's bringing her community together through storytelling, exactly what we're doing here every two weeks. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, just go to elderwisdom.ca and find the link for our Green Bench podcasts, and we'll let you know as soon as the next one's up. And while you're at the website, be sure and take the Elder Wisdom Pledge. I'm Erin Davis. On behalf of Lloyd and all of us, thank you for your time, and remember... Your seat on the Green Bench is ready and waiting.
0: Elder Wisdom, stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.